You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. And just like that, we are live. You are listening to episode 254 of PHP Ugly. I am tonight's host, John Congdon, and with me, Tom Rideout. I swear to God, at first I thought you were just making up numbers, and then I realized there really is 254. <laughs> it's like, it's just... Hi. Welcome to episode <laughs> 1 million. Oh. <laughs> that number just doesn't seem to go down at all no hi everybody we are missing eric tonight he is recuperating from a little bit of surgery nothing bad he's fine he he told me he he lived through it so oral surgery yeah i didn't i don't know how much he wanted to get into so i was wow leaving it alone (laughs) i mean i i imagine it's like having oral surgery is one of those things where it's like less embarrassing than everything else anyone could imagine it would be. <laughs> better than surgery just, just some other surgery yeah yeah i guess like if i, I guess if i right. had an embarrassing surgery i would just call it oral surgery <laughs> you know what i mean like if i if i sat on my testicles and somehow caused like a problem and i was out of work for a week i'd be like yeah oral surgery got, went real hard why is it got to go to oral sur- or to testicles when we're talking oral surgery i don't well, get I'm trying to think of embarrassing surgeries you could have like i'm uh, not going to get a brazilian butt lift <laughs> those things are expensive already the show's off the rails i don't know what's going on how was your week let's get into that oh boy busy crazy lots and lots of testing and and anger at, at testing frameworks and and then sympathy with testing frameworks and then what's the last stage acceptance (laughs) it's a lot of that uh testing uh mime encoding uh validation so we had a we have a situation where we're only allowing certain files to be uploaded and we want to filter out all the other files and you could malform the request so that you were uploading an executable or html and call it a PDF, and it was passing our validation. Right. And so I got through this, you know, thing. I got it fixed. Um, but the issue I was having was, well, you know, my fix was not using a validator. It was using like an after validation thing in Laravel, which is not the cleanest way of doing it. So I rolled back and cleaned it up and, and included the Laravel validator, and now the files are not validating correctly again on my test cases. It's like I'm creating a malformed file and sending it, and Laravel's not picking up on the malformed element. Really? And, and I'm trying to figure out why. Huh. And it, very, very frustrating task. Um, it turns out... So, is it your test that's failing, or you're saying on the website you're able to upload a malformed document? It's my test that was failing, because my, my, I had written a test specifically to upload a malformed file that I was gotcha. generating to, to create this problem. Um, and I got down to the level of the symphony framework beneath Laravel to find where the actual problem was. And it turns out that when you're using Laravel's faking interfaces for generating a fake uploaded file, that it has a flag for, hey, this is a fake file, so trust me when I lie about the mime type. <laughs> so, Are you kidding me? I'm not. I'm absolutely not kidding you. 
it is it is intended to circumvent the mime type checking so that you can do fake file generation so you can lie about the file size you can lie about the the file location that, and you can lie about sense. the mime type right so so my test which was creating this malformed file on purpose was also creating a malformed file that was so convincing to my test suite that it passed the tests so was it a flag you could just turn off and you're good to go or I, can you I ended it? up yeah I ended up having to create well okay so this is the other thing is I had a, a bit of a misunderstanding about how Laravel's testing implementation works um, because I thought it used the HTTP client that's built into Laravel where you say this post or this get and it hits an, a, a web server endpoint and gets the information right that is not no, what it no, no. does it, no no it doesn't it it just calls your your controller like it doesn't do an actual it calls request. it calls your kernel right it, it re it starts up a whole new request right as if it was a request but not as, using an actual yes post. it's a totally it's a it's a completely mocked request so while right. I, so the payload i was sending i was it was the uploaded file type i was saying well it's getting passed through a web server so it's going to lose all of these special attributes of the file like no no i'm just i'm mm. putting a file <clears> in the request and I'm, I'm establishing the request payload completely manually. So in Laravel, when it sees a file being attached or uploaded via the multi-part or whatever oh. form type, mm -hmm. it gets that file and builds an uploaded file object. But if it sees an uploaded file object, it just uses that object. Ah. So I had, so, to, I had to totally create a fake real file. See, I didn't even know Laravel had this because... I use file upload a lot doing MP3 conversions and stuff, mm -hmm. but I actually have actual test files in my test directory that I'm using. I'm not mocking a file at all. So I have test files too, but the way that Laravel's testing works is it says, hey, yeah, to, to, to test a file, you create a, a mock uploaded file instance oh. and we treat it like a real file. But what they don't tell you is we don't exactly treat it like a real file. It skips <laughs> a bunch of steps. That's funny. So again, you were able to change a flag and turn that off? Yes. Now, here's another thing. Similar issue with testing. The authenticated as function in the Laravel testing environment where you say, yes, I'm, I'm doing this request as this user mm -hmm. skips the authentication middleware. So you, you can't test your authentication middleware using that functionality. Hmm. Wait, I mean, do you really need to set up a full request to test your middleware? Your middleware gets skipped. So well, you, I mean, you, you should you be have testing to your mid You have to do something well, totally different. Right. You should be doing unit tests on that, not testing a request. Yes, except that because the particular problem I was solving was actually a feature test problem. Yeah. But when you're, so you needed to do a full request. I needed to modify the request object in the middleware, mm -hmm. which meant that like to test that I had to create these test cases for modified correctly, not modified correctly. And so yeah. wait, 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 wait. I'm missing some here. When you do that, it skips all middleware, not just your authentication middleware. It skips your authentication middleware when you say acting as user. Okay. Because it, it passes, you can pass in which gate you quote unquote authenticated with. Right. So it just, well, how did that, how does that affect your, file upload wow we are going no no service. different is different <laughs> okay. different different issue Un unrelated issue gotcha um also 
technically a related issue, but unrelated issue. Turns out that there's some some controller organization juggling that needs to be done. Hmm. I am lost. Yeah, no, it was. I'll tell you that it's just a, it was a week of testing. It was one line fixes for problems, and then forty line tests for those problems. Yeah, so, so it's supposed to be. I guess. I mean, I, I I sort of didn't believe that for a while, and then I'm like reading articles about testing, and they're talking about how to be as verbose as possible, and how to uh, how to test with uh, uh, scenario testing mm-hmm. for feature requests or for feature testing. It's just crazy stuff. How was your week? Uh, testing as well. I mean, I I get to do a lot of it for especially when working on greenfield code and new stuff, and I've been in tax and billing hell, which is no fun. And is it that season? It's that season, yeah. Oh no! No, it's no, it's uh, phone burners implementing tax, collecting taxes. They've been paying taxes, but you know now they're going the next step of we really need to do this properly. Yeah. So we've been working on integration to calculate taxes based on you know everything where you live, city, county, state. That county thing. That county thing is such a killer. it's so annoying. And then on top of that, because they're kind of a communications platform or they're a communications platform doing phone calls, they're using a what looks like it's taxes for a telco where you're charging per phone call, not like, hey, I'm selling my SaaS because that's oh, all right, we charge right. for. So we're using this API that seems way overblown for what we're trying to do. But that's what I was told to do. I've questioned it and told ignore it you know it's that's the way it is um got feedback on my pr today and you know i told you i had this breakdown last week where i thought i was gonna like just lose it (laughs) yeah we've been talking about refactoring the collections the past couple weeks every time i submit a pr that has four h's you really should use collections. you really should use collections my pr today use collections yeah you really should use four each (laughs) i don't get it why I mean, it was definitely way cleaner code to do it with four H's because uh, that's it was odd. just, it's not supposed to be. Well, part of the problem is the API that we're integrating with the response is horrible. Like it's like it's 10 levels deep. You're trying to get to stuff. So I was basically taking the JSON, getting it back into an array, going to get an array, turning it into a collection to mod to then act on it. So it just, it was a big nest of code where when you see the, the three, four inches it was put into being a lot cleaner, I agree with the feedback. It's just the, just the timing where every time I do some sort of for each, I should be doing a collection. And this time it's the other way. And I was just like, I just want to cry <laughs> trying so hard. I kind of, I got, I got upset at Laravel's collection thing this week because I wanted to pluck from a collection and then continue mapping on it. Yeah. And well, uh, pluck just returns a single item, right? No, pluck returns an array from a collection from an, from an associated array collection. So if you have uh, users and you pluck name, you get an array of names. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's it returns. Yeah. It returns an array instead of a collection type. And the right way to do it is to use filter or something along those lines. Cause filter will return a collection if you do it right. But I uh, just, I, I kind of wish, it always returned a collection. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if you if you do only or accept or pluck, those all return arrays. Yeah, so, I, I can see that being frustrating. 
And, and it's and it's not something that they can fix because that's like that'll totally backwards compatible break something. Yeah, but the collection library I use on a lot of their uh, not a lot on some of their methods, kind of like that. You can say return collection. So yeah, one of the pra- nice. one of the one of the parameters is by default false, and then you can pass true, and then you'll get a collection instead. So it sounds like you have a PR due to Laravel. I got a lot. I'm hoping Laravel's in in the Hacktoberfest uh, list because I've got a bunch of ideas that I want to submit. One of them is really only, easy. You're only gonna you're only gonna do it if they're in Hacktober. No, I'll do it anyways. But like, uh, it's gonna be around the same time that Hacktoberfest is going anyways. So, gotcha. Yeah, it's coming up soon. On top of that, Eric and I. Not on top of that. In addition to my week, Eric and I have been in lots of meetings with Oscar going over the PHP architect transition and uh, wow, I heard, pan- so I heard you're much. panicking a little, Yeah, a little, it is, it start out with just, Oh, there's these few things. And then as we keep talking and that, luckily we are, I mean, we've started this three weeks. We don't take over till October 1st. So we have three weeks to, or now two weeks to, <laughs> to kind of go through all this stuff. And we've, we've gotten been in meetings and as we're talking, it's like, Oh yeah, you probably need this. Oh yeah, and that. You probably want this too. And it's like, wow, there is so much to know. And Oscar's been absolutely amazing. I love that guy. He's been recording his processes for doing things. Yeah. And he must have sent over like 30 different videos of okay, here's how you start this, and here's how you do this step, and here's how you do this thing. And you know, when you first start watching it, it's like, wow, See, so this overwhelming. Is, this is great for him because he's getting paid to create a Udemy course. <laughs> Right, like he could just take those videos he's making and publish them, like publish them on one of those self-learning websites. Is like how to create a magazine, and then you guys, you guys have been completely undermined. Nope, it's in the uh, it's in the contract. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it is. Now that you say that, (laughs) you're talking, and at first I was like, oh shit, Uh, oh wait, nah, nah. Oscar, if you're listening, that does fall under the non-compete. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, you want to roll into some various news things? Well, here's a here's a big news item. What is that? Our sponsor this week is Honey Badger. Honey Badger transforms you into a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and cron monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Stop wasting your time tailing logs and deploy with swagger. Visit honeybadger.io today to level up. Thanks, Honey Thank Badger. you, Honey Badger. Honeybadger.io. We have been uh, expanding our usage of their services, and it's been great. I've been uh, expanding my usage of Visual Studio Code. No, before we go there. Before we go I, there. I want, before we go there. I just want to stay on the magazine for one minute. All right. We can talk about the magazine all day because... No, no, no. I don't want to talk about the magazine all day, but... This I I love the, the magazine. I learned so much, and one of the things in this month's September's issue that I found absolutely horrifying is vulnerabilities in JWT tokens. Yeah, I saw that, and how easy it could be to spoof a JWT. I use them, but I I don't know when you would use the library and have two different keys available to it i've only ever done it with a single key it's always been single purpose here's what i'm doing well it depends on the library you're using and if you're properly implementing blacklisting um so the issue with 
JWT is that it allows for a refresh token command. So like a JWT token is like a five minute token. Well, it depends. You you put in the issued at and expired at times. So it could be whatever you want it to be. Right. But like in most use cases I've seen, it's like five minutes or so or half an hour or whatever. Um, but it's used on a lot of APIs and it has a refresh token method native to it. And oh, if, really? Yeah. And if you, if you refresh the token but you don't blacklist the old token. Now you've got two valid tokens. Oh, see, this isn't the vulnerability I was talking about. So what is the, because I saw the article. The critical vulnerabilities in, in JWT libraries? Yes. So what, what was pointed out in the magazine is there's this, the fact that a JWT token, you're saying this is encrypted or not encrypted signed with uh this algorithm and okay if you're if you set up your library to have a symmetric and an asymmetric value you could be given a token that has a symmetric key which means you have to know what it is to sign it but you also have access to the public key of the other token so you could just say you can re-engineer the token and change that you are signed with uh with the asymmetric key. And now you have a valid token that you created yourself. Well, that's not good. That is not good. Most of the libraries have been told about it and it's been worked on or fixed. Uh, I've seen PRs or discussions in GitHub, especially for the Firebase PHP-JWT library, where they said that it's still possible, but they tell you how to work around it. Uh, The big thing is they should change JWTs where you it's not yeah, listed in the that. JWT what, what type of uh, hash it uses or what type of algorithm it uses. Yeah. And apparently there's an algorithm that's just called none. Yep. Ooh. So fun stuff. I, I just wanted to tie that back to the magazine. I still learn tons of stuff from it. So I'm hoping by editing it, I learn even more because I'll have to pay more attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... Hopefully that's the case, but like it, I saw people joking about, you know, a pull request or a code review with with uh, twenty lines changed, and you find ten errors. But a, a code review with five thousand lines changed, it's like, no, that's fine, I, that works. Yep. Just just pass it. I can't read that book. <laughs> I don't want to read that book. That those yeah. those PRs often sit in my queue right up to like. You know, we're supposed to review it within a day or two of getting it. And the, those big ones will just sit in there and like, I'll get to it eventually. Like, uh, approve. I'm done. Yeah. It's, I've it's done my best talking through it. Yeah. All right. Sorry for interrupting. Where were you going? Oh, VS Code. VS Code. It's been, been very popular in our Discord this week. You get to our Discord at discord.phpugly.com. Please yes. join us. I saw all that chatter in there about VS Code, and a lot of the chatter was how to make VS Code like PHP Storm. I was like, it was not. It was not. Use PHP Storm. No, no, no. It was. Yep, yep. It was exactly that. No, no. There were by that. There were dissenters who were saying, "Uh, "Doesn't doesn't PHP Storm already do that?" And like, you know, why have uh, why have one extension when you can have twenty? But no, it's it does quite a bit of stuff that uh, PHP Storm maybe can do but is not intuitive uh and really the the thing that it does the best that php storm does not is have a simple interface for creating new extensions so people who have an idea for something can very easily in vs code implement that that's both 
great and scary because if I know everybody listening, me included, I want an extension. I go look for an extension. I install an extension. I never go and validate the source. Yeah, and you like, don't audit are it. They, are they are they taking my code and like uploading it somewhere? I don't know. Is that possible? I don't know. Yeah. That's totally possible. So uh, you want to talk to your bosses about that and see if it's okay to be using VS Code? Nope. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure in fintech they don't like that. I, I am sure that if something happened, we would just sue the shit out of Microsoft. And that'd be the end of it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, let's, let's, see how, let's see how well that but works. But the, the same could very easily be said of, of the extensions that are available in php storm it's That's just true. that they're harder to they're harder to write mm-hmm. but that means they're also harder to audit and so you get you get one or one or the other yeah you um, are correct on that but you know I, I was playing around with some uh some testing based ex- extensions recently and uh found one that i really like called yet another uh php unit which lets you like when you're when you're in a test, every method that is a test has a button above it that says run this test right here. And it just does it right there. Yeah, PHP Storm does that already. It doesn't do it as a code inspection though. It has you have a, a some key command to do it. Wait, when you when you're in a, the actual file wait, when you're in the test file or the actual code file? In the test file. Yeah, so I have that in the gutter. There's a little play button next to each method. You just click that and you're good to go. Oh, see, well, that's nice. Um, another one that I know that that PHP Storm doesn't have is a, a sort of a visual tour of all your tests, which ones are passing and which ones are failing. It just says, you know, check marks and then red boxes, and mm-hmm. it drops a breakpoint into your test that fails, so you can go to that test and run it, and it'll throw with the breakpoint and let you inspect. Really. Yeah, <clears throat> so like if so a test we- if a test fails, it adds a breakpoint. Which is cool. Yeah. So with uh, PHP Storm, I have it set to if a test fails, it jumps to that test at the end. So, but it's jumped to the first failing. So the first one that fails at the end of the run, it jumps right to there, and then I can. It doesn't set a breakpoint. It just says here's the test that failed. Yeah. Uh, the other one I like is uh, Laravel Extra IntelliSense. Ooh, go back to testing. Do you get code coverage on I, your? On your I still code? I still don't have. XD bug, so I don't get code coverage, but I do have the extension for code coverage gutters, which gives me a visual when I get a coverage report. It gives me a visual uh, for each line of what cover, what's covered, and what's not. See, I I had this weird thing in PHP Storm where by default it has it's both the gutter and the actual code. The actual lines are either red or green, like the mm-hmm. background of it. But I get into this weird case sometimes where. The gutter and the code don't match. And then it's just like frustrating because the, the gutter is usually right and the code is wrong and the code is all red. And it's like, but it's covered and it's driving me nuts. That's weird. It is. I close storm, restart storm and it's fixed. But who wants to do that every time? Yeah. So a lot of uh, extension talk in uh, in the Discord. Uh, Laravel Extra IntelliSense I really like because it's got the normal PHP IntelliSense stuff, but it also is aware of some stuff that Laravel does that uses magic. So uh, if you have a scope on one of your models, the method is named scope get users for action, um, 
which normal IntelliSense will think is an, a valid method. But in Laravel, it's not a valid method. The, val- the method name is get users for action, not scope get users for action. Uh, yeah. And <clears throat> you can only call that when you're in the builder instance of the model, not when you're in a concrete instance of it. So PHP IntelliSense understands that stuff. Um, or Laravel IntelliSense understands that stuff. Uh, also route names and middleware names that are normally strings, it can autocomplete those, which uh, yeah. IntelliSense can't understand because it's just a string somewhere. So it's got some very smart stuff, and uh, I, I'm still really enjoying VS Code, and it's still very fast and hardly ever waver- crashes. I thought just a few weeks ago you were wavering. You were like almost going back to, to PHP Storm. Nah. <laughs> I'm happy with this. I don't see a problem. For now. For now, you're a fair weather fan. I got a, a a bizarre article today. Is that um, somebody implemented generics in PHP as like a composer add-on? What? It, it's well, it's user land, so it's not going to be good, right? But I guess it is. It it's very strange. But the way that it appears to work is that when you run the command dump generics, it creates concrete classes that fulfill the same requirements as the generic that you wrote. So you you have a generic of boxes, which is box and then T, mm-hmm. and it creates a an iterable class that can only contain boxes. It has validators and throws exceptions for anything it contains. That's not a box. And it changes the autoload, the composer autoload file to reference the concrete classes that it generated instead of the generic that you referenced. Fascinating. So I mean, really fast. Like I, when I first heard about this, I was like, bullshit. And then I looked at it and I'm like, okay, this is crazy. So when you so when you dump it, is it like rewriting all the files somewhere? I'm so now, confused. I believe it's creating a, a vendor directory for generated generics for, for concrete versions of your generic class. That seems so weird. It See, is. I'm, I'm doing it with collections. Like it's not an actual generic, but it's like I yesterday or today I created an integer collection. So it's a collection that only accepts integers into it. But you can do the same thing with any other object type. Yeah. So it's not that hard to do. It's just. Well, I mean, I this guess this would, this would be considered the hardest way of doing it, which is he re he modified uh, the PHP parser library from uh, Nikita Popov to understand what a generic is and to create these, these concrete classes based off of the definition of the generic in your generic class. Hmm. Uh, it's it's definitely super crazy. Like, I would not feel comfortable using this anywhere. No. Nah. <laughs> but it is absolutely an exercise in, like, the maximum you can do with PHP. And, and, and I think it, got, it just got released, like, a week ago. But it's already stable. It's at 1.0.1, 1.01. Well, yeah. So, so it you're is only, stable. You should be using it in production to. now. You're only supposed to release stables. <laughs> Unlike the problem I had this week with a change in Laravel that was rolled back after we had implemented it. And now we can't get it to work with the newest version. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The, the newest version, by the way, 8.63. 
63. Time to go to nine. <laughs> I'm so I'm so tired. That number gets above fifty. You gotta you gotta bump the major version. For or you have a breaking change that people have implemented. How did you? So there was a breaking change that uh, it, I don't get it. So this wasn't my work. This was a coworker's job. They had implemented a test with the version of Laravel that we have, and then when they went to upgrade Laravel, it turns out that a feature had been implemented in our version, and the next version had been removed because it was breaking something else and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be reintroduced. So so something was added and then <laughs> taken away with no regard to who would be using the thing that was added and that taking away a thing you added, whether or not it was because it turns out there's a big problem, whether or not you can't upgrade now. They were it's fixing all the change. people that it was breaking. They- Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And why did they have to do that? Because they released too fucking fast. It was in it was in a PR for four days and then it went out on Tuesday. I'm tired of it, man. It is so frustrating. Well, stop being so bleeding edge and taking on all the new features. I'd love to. This this is your fault. I'm just saying. I, I'll have to I'll have to ask my buddy what the exact issue was because everyone always asks, like, well, what is What's a practical example of your problem with how Laravel does versioning? This is the best example. So I need to have it like written down on I'm slate su- and give I'm it to surprised people. You d- didn't have it ready to go as we were talking about it. I'm so busy today. Well, I'm always recording, busy. but we were recording today. You should have known know, this already. I know. My goodness gracious. Uh, hey, did you see that all of the uh, data on Travis CI was available between I heard something. I heard 10th? something about that. Funny enough, this- I'm actually I'm actually no longer the the admin for the Doom and Gloom channel. It seems like the users have taken it from me. Yeah, they do a good job of that, and we appreciate our. We, all of we our very much listeners. appreciate. It's amazing, but yeah, between September third and September tenth, all the secure environment variables of public Travis CI repositories were kind of available. If you could open a PR against the public repo, which you could, you were able to get access to all of the environment variables. That is scary because we we put in actual keys into our test suite so that tests can run and Yeah, but those no keys good. should be staging keys. They shouldn't they still shouldn't be production keys. I mean, yes, it's it's a bad leak and it should not happen. Right, but so I don't know if this could be my naivety, naive, me being naive because I can't figure out naivety. Naivety. Anyway, does AWS have a sandbox where I can use sandbox keys? Because for my test, I actually have keys that I mean, it's they're nowhere else other than our testing environment. We can rotate them out as easily. And that's just an example, but we have Twilio keys for doing some tests there. Uh, you shouldn't be, you should just be unit testing that. You shouldn't be testing against a server. Well, we don't tell me this. I know this already, but that's not the case. Chill. <laughs> no, it's don't preach, it's, don't it's preach really, to the tester. It's really bad news, but you should be mocking all your tests that require keys, API keys. You should be mocking I the agree. interfaces. And if you're doing AWS stuff and you want to, if you want to do real tests with that, you should be running an AWS mock server to do tests. You shouldn't test against real AWS. Um, so there is an AWS, 
There is, I, God, what's it called? I'll have to look this up because I was running it for a while. Well, now I'm going to want to know what that is because that would be great. Uh, Dynamo? No. Di- yeah, Dynamo DB Local is one option. Well, we don't need to do all the research right now. Uh, I'm just saying. There's, yeah. there's, stuff, there's stuff out there. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't have keys in your testing and, and staging environment, anyways, for that kind of stuff. But yeah, also, shouldn't. also but, super bad. Yeah, shouldn't be in the key term, but it happens. Yeah, and you know, I mean, if we're trusting our extensions to not just send all of our keys to everybody, and and all of our all of our third party apps we have like Table Plus and and Postman and. Zoom. I mean, everyone's stealing from us. And you know how I know. You know how I know this because your microwave is watching you. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, but uh, Mailchimp. Mailchimp. Oh, I heard. Mailchimp heard got bought by Intuit for just a couple of dollars. Not just a couple. Twelve. Twelve dollars. Yeah. Wait, no. Uh, what's that? What's what's a big B after twelve mean? I thought it was fourteen. Wasn't it fourteen? Or is it only twelve? That's just twelve. Oh, twelve billion dollars. Twelve billion dollars. And there was some confusion in the Discord as to why Mailchimp would be worth twelve billion dollars. They got a lot of data. They got all the data. <laughs> they got, they so got when a you lot. when you when you sign up for Mailchimp as a as a provider as a server, so you can send out your newsletter, they ask you lots of stuff like what industry you're in, uh, what kind of emails you're sending, are they promo codes, are they newsletters, that kind of stuff, uh, and they have all the data that's contained in every email you send. It's it's all the content. So you know, are you updating people on security stuff, or uh, you know, new mommy stuff, or uh, student information and then they have double opt-in email addresses for everyone who's on every one of those email lists so it's a known valid email address that points to your facebook account your google account all your stuff so that they can cross integrate with and compare your data against other data so mailchimp runs the newsletter industry the anyone who does scheduled repeated emails uses word uses mailchimp unless they've rolled their own service for it <clears throat> so you know mommy blogs like i said mommy blogs is a big one uh fashionistas and all that kind of stuff you want to know a service i learned about this past week what so going along those same lines if you if you want to get away from mailchimp our good friends over a spotty i believe this is a spotty package i could be wrong I'm, i think it this is, is mailcoach.com yeah that's spotty no, no, no. Mailcoach.app. I'm sorry. Mailcoach.app. Yeah. So I haven't looked fully into it. I was going to sign up and start looking into it uh, to move away from MailChimp. But basically, instead of using MailChimp servers, you use your Amazon SES or some other like Mailgun, some other mail service. I don't know what kind of tracking it has. I don't know all the features, but definitely something I want to look at, look into. So it sounds very interesting. Well, they do have a they do have a privacy focus bullet point, but yeah, I mean, if you look at how much it costs to use Mailchimp, it's free. So if you're well, wondering, to, within within reason, it's not free free. Well, it's free within reason, but then like even at the higher levels, yeah, you know, you're paying a hundred dollars for a million emails or something like that. That's pretty fucking close to free. Mm-hmm. 
let's see the 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 premium is three hundred dollars a month for ten thousand contacts, and the the free version lets you have two thousand contacts. <clears throat> it, and three hundred dollars a month for ten thousand contacts that you can mail on an almost you know on a daily basis is quite cheap. Yeah, that's basically covering server costs. So where their money, where that twelve or where at least eleven of that twelve billion dollars in value is coming from is absolutely the sale of your information. Still, even one billion is such a huge number to go to twelve billion. Obviously, not cash. There's some other like. Valuing at twelve billion, that's got to be stock and everything else. Who knows what it is? Well, let's. I mean, I can. I, oh God! Every every article now, every article now, even even on Bloomberg is is not just the story. It's the story of how they got to the story. It's like a cooking blog. <laughs> and you gotta go scroll all the way to the bottom to, to get any sort of. It is yeah. this the the title of the article is Investors Predicted Mailchimp's Demise it just sold for twelve billion dollars. And it starts talking about how the logo is a monkey and that's why it's called MailChimp and it was a side project of blah 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 blah. And it now sends a billion emails every weekday. Professor of entrepreneurship at Belmont University says they were able to control their business. I'm like, oh okay, not that's not the article. That's my grandma used to live in a wood cabin and cook this on Thursdays. <laughs> Tired of fluff writing. Well, it got you to click on it, didn't it? So it's not. Yeah, it got me to it's, close it's it. Do, to, it's, it's, doing, it's doing the job that that person was paid to do. If only we had access to a media outlet where we could be quick and concise. Headline matches if, the content. If only. If only. I think, I, I think we are growing in those number of outlets we have podcasts and magazines books i think we have like 80 percent of them <laughs> now you're just quoting other tweets yeah i Thanks, I, Sherry. Was, I was very surprised when i got the the uh jet brains php round table or what do they call it the the uh jet brains php annotated Got this month's JetBrain PHP annotated. No mention. Single word. No mention of the purchase. In fact, our podcast is now missing from PHP annotated. (laughs) Is it really? The the podcasts that got listed this week are two from internals and one from dev mode, which I've never heard of. Oh man. Eric and I have a have a tendency of everything we touch turns to shit. I'm I'm worried we're getting blacklisted by by the community now that nah. we're you've, we're gaining too much power as influencers. Now you're now you're going too far. Well, I mean it's it's like one of those you know I fantasize about being a millionaire things. Like, what would I do if I had a billion dollars? What would I do if I could influence the PHP community in any way whatsoever? <laughs> See, th- that's the problem. You're aiming too low. You're only going for a billion, not twelve billion. <sighs> but see, that's an that's a number you can't manage like mentally. You can't manage one mentally. I I can manage a billion dollars mentally because there's things like yachts that cost 500 million. So there goes half of your money. But like 12 billion is is enough money to to overthrow a government. Like by a long shot. 12 billion you could go into Nicaragua and just overthrow the whole government by paying everyone to do it. Or you can have 24 yachts. You can have a yacht inside a yacht, which is a type of yacht they sell. <laughs> where the helicopter 
sits above the docking bay for the smaller yacht. Uh, it's just, it's so crazy to me, the amount of money that people have, the amount of people, like Jeff Bezos, like he's retiring and he's going to go on the council on the, on the board of directors for Amazon. And I'm like, why, why go on the board of directors? It's like, just so, just so you can direct the company to keep your stocks valued the way you want them to. But like, you have more money than God. Just go away. Just buy it. Buy the biggest, buy Australia and just go away. <laughs> what are you going to do? Just kick everybody out of Australia? You got to go live somewhere else? He could. 100% he could. He could He could buy. Australia's got a lot of open space. He could just buy it and like That's because nobody wants out. to live in the open space. Well, okay. Sure. There are, there are a lot of animals that want to kill you, but you could buy them out too. I don't think that's how this works. Hey, we should probably thank some Patreons, huh? We I should thank. Right. I had it up early. We should thank some Patreons. Yes. Thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. We do appreciate you. Uh, started getting messages from people that have received their swag gifts. Uh, we have not sent internationally, and I, I never got a straight answer from Eric if we're supposed to be sending to all of our international patrons and how uh, that works. Yeah, we are. We, we've, got some, we've got some core level Patreons patrons that that do get the international treatment i think any new patrons we disclose hey international shipping is like 200 dollars or something but uh uh yeah buttery definitely uh definitely gets his japanese postage paid for or you can just hop on a plane and take it to him just saying might be cheaper that way if you got billions of dollars yeah (laughs) buy an airline Uh. the report right. this week. The report this week is that Amazon's going to be worth a trillion dollars. That upsets me so much. What? No. Yeah. When? No. Didn't they just pass a billion mark? No. No. Bezos is like four billion. Amazon first touched the one trillion dollar market cap threshold January of last year. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, it was a trillion, wasn't it? Microsoft is nearing the two trillion dollar market cap. I mean, that's. That's a military defense budget. How is Microsoft still making money? Still from the OS sales? From the server the sales. They make- and from the training and from the... Oh, the, uh, yeah. There's, they, they, they got investments all over. They've got the multiple Surface devices. Every, every laptop and desktop sold has a copy of Windows on it. Yeah, they're about to get some money from me, too. I think I'm going to be buying a Windows license. I bought one. After 25 years of pirating a Windows license? Yeah, probably right around there with you. I think the last one... Not necessarily pirating, I just haven't needed one. uh, The last time I've bought a license was Windows 95. Probably right where me where I was too. Yeah, and then I and then I... Maybe 98, maybe 98. Everything after that was pirated. I just didn't use Windows, so no pirating necessary. True. But I mean you're paying for it somewhere else. You're buying Macs and stuff. Yeah. Well, now now I'm going to I think we're going to run Windows in a virtual machine to do stuff for the magazine really? versus buy a Windows machine. Yeah, you, I I could probably do it on my Mac. I just that means breaking out a Mac. Fun. Have you seen the new uh component-based laptops? The what? The uh, framework laptops? No. You haven't seen this? I have not. I have no clue what you're talking about. It's a company called Framework that decided that laptops should be just as modular as desktops. And so everything is like a component. Frame.work. Frame.work. 
and you look at the the DIY edition, and everything is just a piece that fits into a place on the the case that's designed to fit a piece. And then it's got these like module expansion cards, upgradable motherboard. I no. click and I get the little the little sad file face. Like cannot load. Well, you you need to fix that. Nope. Well, Linus. No. Linus of Linus Tech Tips. You know Linus Tech Tips? I know Linus LTT. They sent him a demo unit, and he dropped $250,000 in in stock, or he bought $250,000 worth of stock in the company. Because he said Hmm. during the review, he was like, this is so good that if they allowed for investors, I would invest in it. And they emailed him, and they were like, all right, man up. We'll take your we'll take your private investment. That's fine. And so he gave him two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he's a an actual real investor in this company. Hmm. And it's cool. Like you should watch that that video, the LTT video, because it put it in put it in the show notes. All right, all right. Unfortunately, their little whatever is on that front page of the DIY edition is not loading. Loading for me. Did not complete request because customer chat is disabled. No, that's customer chat. That's not what I'm cared about. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I've been I've been all about tools today. Spent a lot of time checking out tools, and uh, one of them that just came out is called Skipper. Have not heard of it. So you know those uh, you know those programs that like query your database and get all the foreign keys and then draw a map of your database. Mm-hmm. So Skipper does that, except that it also integrates with Eloquent, which is Laravel's ORM, and Doctrine, and uh, I think there's another one that they integrate with uh, cake PHP and it looks at your models in your code and establishes has many belongs to many relationships between all of your tables as well as what your foreign keys and your indexes say. So, so yeah, so it draws up this nice big, it draws up this nice big map of how your application data talks to itself and belongs to itself. And it's so is it, it's using a combination of both the database and these things, or is it one? Yeah, or the so other? you give it you give it the database and then you give it the directory for the ORM and it figures out all of the relationships between all of your tables in both. And it gives you a map of which relationships are associations via your ORM and which of them are indexes, and it gives you a a very big, pretty graph of all of your components and how they're interrelated on a software level, not just on a database level. Okay, so you got this. This was Laravel News, but Skipper18.com is the actual site for it. So it's not just Laravel. Skipper, yes, said. Skipper18.com. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. Is there a Linux version? There is. Yeah, I just uh, I just clicked on download and it gave me the the debut or the dev package. Windows, Mac, or Linux. All right. Free trial, free free 14-day trial. Just takes all your database and sends it to a a server in China. Of course. So what what are you getting with the buy now? I haven't gone that, like, is it a monthly? It is a lifetime license for $500. (laughs) That's expensive. But you only get 12 months of updates. So you have it for a lifetime, but you only get updates for a year. Yeah, or $170 a year and you get all the updates. Yeah. That's that's that not is, cheap. That is expensive. All right. Okay, before I do anything with that, I I'll did watch not the video. I did not see that price. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch the full feature set video because 
I loaded it up and I'm like, oh, that's very cool. I don't know if it's $500 cool. <laughs> it's $500 for two people too. That's not. Oh, well, that's not bad. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. One person. Lifetime one per- license for one one user plus one year of updates. One person. One person. That is crazy. Cool. All right. I mean, how do you that, price? Right. how do you price that? That's a weird. It, it, it seems like a one-time use thing, right? I mean, all right, I update my database. Now I'm going to run the tool again, maybe. But it's not like a daily use thing. I'd have to first. Yeah, I'd have to see like all of the features it supports because I mean I know the Postman license is expensive too, but it does a lot. This this seems like they're constantly adding features too. Yeah, they just add they just added a blog post for like their new API world gateway or something like that. They've got some whole new thing that they're trying to push. I I didn't read it. It was it was at least a page long. But this five hundred dollars per user is outrageous yeah i mean they're they've got these testimonials for like crm developer it saves saves 14 hours a month for this guy which comes out to seventy five hundred dollars a year save the money but how's it saving them hours and what what's it saving hours from yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to watch some kind of video that's like look at how magical it is for a daily task. Yeah. I think I've you never steered every way down the wrong route. I totally did. It's got, well, okay. So it supports like annotations and YAML and XML ORM definitions. And, and yeah, it's a lot of work, but I don't, how is yeah. it so expensive? I don't know. All right. I think we need to wrap up because obviously we are boring enough that nobody in discord is chatting with us. So that's not good. I, yeah. I think we've, We've sufficiently run this into the ground. Eric, we're sorry. You're, <laughs> you're the king of the show. Everybody's here for you. See, I wouldn't be surprised if he had teeth removed just to prove us a point. Yeah, probably. All right. I'm wrapping it up. That's it. Episode 254 is in the books. I am John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Didn't know we were using last names. All right. I'm John. I'm Tom. <laughs> Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas, cause he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me. Shouts out to people. PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.